You are listening to the Geeks Radio Internet Radio Network at geeksradio.com, home of Trek Off, the Not Safe for Work Star Trek podcast, Pop Off, where we geek out on comics, movies, and TV shows that are the superstars of geek culture, Podcast Who, the Doctor Who podcast with Phil Stamper, Ninjas vs. You, the official podcast of the Ninjas vs. Trilogy, and Garrett and RJ Go Hollywood, two regular guys trying to make it in Tinseltown. All of this is available for you for free by going to Geeks radio.com or searching geeks radio on itunes geeks radio is a presentation of Endlight entertainment welcome to pop off my name is justin and with me today is arthur rowan of spam a lot fame arthur is the guy who got me into buffy the vampire slayer which is kind of the thing that helped inspire the whole ninjas versus thing and then geeks radio on top of it so it's really because of buffy uh partially along with kevin smith and other things that all of this exists but arthur is the one who introduced me to buffy and uh and joss whedon and the works of joss whedon and we began discussing last week uh the movie and the first two seasons of buffy which is really where i got hooked so from here we go on to season three and the continuation of our three-part Buffy retrospective as part of our Joss Whedon retrospective here on Pop-Off. Let's start with season three and season three. Mm-hmm. Um, the very first thing that happens, maybe too soon, is Angel comes back to life. Yeah. He's been in hell for a long time. He's a bit crazy. Mm-hmm. So that happens. Buffy is in L.A., um, and she uh, is working as a waitress. She discovers some goth vampires Um decides that she's going to go back home, reunites with her friends who are on their own trying to fight the vampires mm-hmm. and putting themselves in substantial risk to do so. Yeah. Um, she returns to her mom. Uh, she, uh, her mom who realized, found out that she was a, a vampire slayer, I think at the end of season two. Yeah? Yes. I, and I think that was also, that was a very important aspect to the show. Um, there are certain conceits that... I mean, the first season, the first two seasons, a lot of some of the tension came from, oh my gosh, I have to go kill this vampire at the crack of midnight, but mom has grounded me and I have to stay in, so I have to sneak out. And that for a little while works. And I think the flaw with, if it were any other show, I think they might have been tempted to try to draw that out. I think Buffy was very, very, the, the show was very, very smart to say, we cannot keep this conceit up forever. It's demeaning to Joyce's character to make her that dumb that she wouldn't, you know, in some way figure out what her kid was up to. And in fact, by bringing Joyce in on it, it opened up so many other potential story options, um, you know, or potential issues. Um, Of course, now she's in on it, but that means she's in on the fact that her daughter is going off and putting her life at risk all the time. How does that impact the relationship? Well, and there's there's also another relationship that I glossed over. I, I forgot to mention in season two is that when Buffy died at the end of season one, it activated the next Slayer. Right. Um, Kendra, the vampire Slayer, who Buffy sends back. Uh, but we learn a little bit about the world of the way the Slayers and the Watchers work. And then at the end mm-hmm. of season two, Kendra is killed by Angel. Mm-hmm. Um, so now Kendra. Darla, or no, uh, Drusilla, actually. Drusilla, Spencer. okay. Um, Just so that we avoid emails. Yes. Um, so... Now, somewhere out there, you know that there's another Slayer coming, which brings us to season three. Mm -hmm. We meet the big bad of season three, arguably, arguably 
And after Angel, my favorite big bad of any of the Buffy shows. I, I loved him. I loved the mayor. Um, my fiance, Kelly, she uh, she actually didn't like him as much because she found him to be too quirky. But for me, the quirkiness was absolutely his charm. His character, along with Angel, was a big influence for the bad guy in Ninjas vs. Zombies. I could absolutely see that, yeah. It's someone who takes the... the so when you're in, in theater, when you're, when you're... If you go to you know, college for theater, which we both did. Mm -hmm. One of the first things they teach you is someone who is evil doesn't think that they're evil. Yep. Now on a sci-fi show or a show like this on Angel or or on Buffy, you kind of skirt past that. The the master clearly thought he was evil. He was playing evil. He was Mm -hmm. evil. He was fun (laughs) to watch. Angel clearly thought he was evil. He was evil and he loved it. He loved being evil. Mm -hmm. Spike loved being bad. The mayor sees no sees that what he doesn't see a difference between evil and good. There's no difference to him. And that is what is he he will murder and that is fine, but if you curse around him, that's bad. Yeah. He's he's he, a very strict code. He, he has he has no sense of, of there being a difference between good and bad. And and that is it's so wonderful. I would uh, to, to to play on that a little bit. I I would venture the mayor probably knows he's evil, but for me, what I learned with uh, with storytelling was it's just like, God, I hate it so much, especially in fantasy, um, where <laughs> the horrifically bad movie of Dungeons and Dragons comes oh, to boy. mind. But um, I mean the you know the evil general and that not the Jeremy Irons character, but the other one. It's like. You know how there's sometimes people who just walk onto the screen and you're like, well, that's a major villain. I mean, look yeah, at it. they speak in a hushed voice or they do all these things. It's oh, like, the bad guy in the in the fourth Highlander movie. Is, the, yeah, is the worst I think example. it was the same actor actually. Was it? I'm almost 100 percent positive. Oh, he's it was terrible. The same I hate actor. him. How he kind of whispers kind of whispers. And and yes, uh, look at how evil I'm. Be- yeah. And the fact is that the most effective, and because of that, the truly most scary evil people. You don't realize they're evil until the one moment when it counts. Yeah. And that's the mayor. The mayor was the friendliest damn person you would ever meet in your life. He was, you know, he cared about, you know, he would talk about how he cared about the children. He probably did. He probably funded many park initiatives and all these sure. things. And But at the same time, um, you know, at the same time behind closed doors, he was openly talking about how he was going to sacrifice the whole town. But he was doing it while eating like jelly beans and being exactly. fine with it. Exactly. It was, mean, it, wasn't. Joss does this wonderful thing. You know what the thing is about the mayor? The thing about the bear? Everything is fine. There's not good. Mm-hmm. They're just fine. They're just fine. He's just fine. Joss does this. He does. It's a, it's a, it's a certain uh, trope of his. He will wonderfully take two very divergent things and throw them together in a character and see what happens. Yeah, uh, and the mayor is a perfect example of that, um, and also expertly performed. Yes. Oh. At the same time, when you're taking a character that has no separation between good and evil, you have a character that has such a separation between good and evil that when she kills someone, she makes an Anakin Skywalker like cross to the dark side. Mm-hmm. And this is a character of the Slayer that um, she is the Anakin Skywalker of. I mean, that's a, that's the best. She way. really is. Yeah, she is. She was. She started her training too late. Although she t- had too many bad influences at the beginning. She's mm-hmm. she's too rebellious. She's and and yet she's trying to be on the good side. She is not. She she is rebellious against her inept in this case watcher. 
which is another mm-hmm. person we have to talk about. Yes. But we'll talk about him in a second. Her name is Faith. She's played by Eliza Dushku. Eliza did one of her first, but I think it was... The best role I've ever seen her in. It's, yeah. the, it's not the first I saw her in. Cause I mean, I really liked her work in The New Guy, um, but that is also because she wore a bandana as a shirt, so... Um, I had only known her as the daughter in True Lies. Oh, that's that's right. That was her first big thing. But uh, which she played a rebellious teenager. Yeah. No, I'm, but I'm pretty sure Buffy was like her first really big thing, outside of you know True Lies. Well, yeah, but as a as a child, but like as yeah. a as a grown uh, actress, yeah. um, she is perfect in this role. She is, um, I think, in other roles, not as strong an actor as she could be. She's not the strongest actress in the world. I think sometimes, mm-hmm. but in this role. She shines. She is perfect. Um, she makes a. Uh, um, she becomes more and more rebellious as she is trying to strike out against her watcher Wesley Wyndham Price, who I just. All I'm going to say about him here, because I'm going to talk about him much later, is that he is an inept watcher who just can't do the job. He's a mm-hmm. Giles wannabe who doesn't do it. Giles has been fired by the Watchers Council now. Um, Giles' character, by the way, I just we, he begins what is you start hearing being referred to by one of his former compatriots as, as, as Ripper. Mm-hmm. And you realize Giles is a guy with a dark past. It's going to take two seasons for you to see just how dark Giles can be. Yeah. Um, well, I think we did get the in the Halloween episode with Ethan Rain. Um, not the Ethan Rain. For me, the moment when Giles truly became, well, not dark, but at least badass, was um, in the same episode that Angelus murders Jenny Callender, Giles decides to take it out on him by this you know tweed wearing watcher literally goes right into angelus's lair with a baseball bat hits him in the face dips the baseball bat in like oil and flame and like starts wailing on angelus with a flaming baseball bat he loses but he loses but god there's this one moment where all of us watching we're like holy shit this is what is giles doing this isn't giles Mm -hmm. um it's a problem i have with giles actually is because there there is a part there's a point where they can't decide whether or not Giles is badass or if he's just going to get knocked out. Right. Yeah. And there is a period of time where it all depends on what the episode requires him to do. Probably depends on the writer. Um, too. And by the end of the show, that is not the case anymore. Mm-hmm. Except he does get knocked out for a quarter of season seven. Yeah. Um, which is truly, he just gets hit in the head and then disappears and then comes back like five episodes later. Is like, yeah, I was in the head <laughs> and I went away for a little. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> let me keep my guesses. Um, I this season is 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 about the culmination of high school. Yeah, what it comes down to, um, and at the same time you have this exploration of what it is to be good and to be evil. As you have someone who's really good inside, playing it being evil mm-hmm. in faith, and being unsure about it. You have someone who's truly evil playing it being good in mm-hmm. the mayor. Yeah, that's nice juxtaposed against it, each other. As you have Buffy with her her failing relationship with her friends and her failing relationships with mm-hmm. with with her parents and with Angel and with there were two things that two things in this season that really jumped out at me from the high school thing. The first was, of course, once Angel comes back, even though they now know, okay, we can't have sex again because it would be, you know, but they still want to be together, which is very natural. Um, and it is the classic thing of essentially that how many of us have had significant others with that we broke up with. But then eventually got back together with. Um, and there's a great moment when Joyce goes to see Angel in season three and says, you cannot do this to her. Um, in the sense of the, there is a certain sense of, I mean, 
Buffy and Angel can't be together because if you know they consummate it, then Angel becomes evil again, and also um, that destroys the show because yeah, yeah. But but then but allegorically also the fact is there's plenty of people that we've all just sort of that well so much works, but at the same time, how many times have we all been in a relationship where we're like, well, this is going to but this is not going to this is not going to end in happy marriage like this relationship is not going to go anywhere and yet we still stay in it and there's this wonderful moment when Joyce calls Angel on that and says Buffy I I, I could be wrong here but I think she essentially says Buffy is not going to be strong enough to leave you you need to leave her because otherwise she's just going to become stagnant Um, which which I think is very applicable uh, Absolutely. Especially in high school and college relationships. Um, that's the first thing. The second thing, one of my favorite moments in the entirety of the Buffy series, um, and to be fair, the only moment that I've ever seen Joss recycle was the moment when, as Faith becomes more and more rebellious, Xander goes to talk with her. She's in a horny mood. He ends up just randomly having sex with her. Um, it's his first time. And by now, the Xander and Willow have decided that you know, or they for whatever reason they're just friends. Well, Xander's um, with Cordelia. Yeah, Xander. Well, he he had he been was, with Cordelia. Yeah. yeah. So basically, but Xander and Willow are at the point where it's like, well, the window was there, but the window is now closed, so we're just friends. Well, because because is Willow still with Oz at this point? Yes. Yes. Um, and so it comes out in conversation that like you know Xander actually probably kind of drops it a little bit that. Um, you know, that I, I, I think I just, you know, I, I just had sex with Faith. And Willow is like, oh, oh, that's what you mean. Oh, okay. And in, you know, mixed company is totally fine with it. And then they break up the meeting. And then the next shot is her in a stall in the bathroom just bawling her eyes out. Yeah. Um, and one thing I will say about the actresses that Joss gets, both Sarah Michelle Gellar Oh, they and hurt Allison so Higgins. well. Oh, my God, their tears just... They hurt so oh well. My God. And the quivering lip. Yeah. Um, interestingly... And by the way, fuck you if you don't think that Sarah Michelle Gellar can be a good actress. Yeah, I will say... Oh, my God. The, and, yeah, there's the... Every time that girl's lip starts quivering, my heart breaks a little bit. Yeah. Just, yeah. No. Um, but interestingly... In Firefly, I'm just going to jump to that really quick. In Firefly, he uses the exact same thing. In Heart of Gold, the episode where Mal, you know, he runs, you know, he's essentially helping out his old, uh, the, the madam. Um, when he spends the night with her and then runs into Inara in the hallway the next morning. And he's like, do, do you have a problem with this? And she says, no, no I don't have a problem with that. Um, you know, I mean, look what I do. You know, if you want to, you know, she's perfectly fine. I think that's a great match for you. Um, and then the next scene is her is Inara crying. Yeah. In I think in her room, like I, it's a it is a it is practically a shot for shot. And um, but it's a I mean I think it's a valid oh it, I mean it's, and it, it's a, about it's humanity a and, yeah truth yeah. Um, jumping to the end of the season, mm-hmm. uh, some major things happen here at the end of the season. The first major thing that happens uh, that we have to talk about is that Angel leaves the show. Yeah. Um, he. As as he was encouraged by Joy, I mean, it, look, we got to have the meta knowledge. Buffy was doing well; they want to spin it off. Mm-hmm. So they're giving his Angel his own show because he's the most popular person on the show. Yeah, so that's that's easy. Um, the way they do it is so heartbreaking. Oh, it's perfect and just 
like in the way they what they do is they essentially Angel leaves for the reasons Joyce described. Mm-hmm. And he tells Buffy that he's going to like three, four episodes before he does. And when he does, he just does. Yeah. He just walks away. Well, he sees things through until the final fight is done to make sure that everything's okay. And then and let's talk about the final fight. Um, Faith uh, is maybe starting to come to realizations that good is better than evil. But then because Buffy is fighting so hard back against her, sort of decides to be evil. Mm-hmm. And so Faith's redemption seems like it's not going to happen. Faith is seemingly killed. Um, we later find that she is she is she's just in a coma. She's yeah. in a coma. And there's a pretty I mean, we have the first epic slayer on slayer fight. Yeah. Which is pretty impressive. And then you have the big battle at the end mm-hmm. and the prelude to the big battle at the end where the high school acknowledges to Buffy. We know. Oh, that things right. are not the class protector. We know that this is not a normal high school. Mm-hmm. We got it. We've always gotten it. We just don't talk about it because who wants to talk about that? But we know that you've saved us. Yeah. And we are your episodes of the week. Mm-hmm. We are all the people who got saved, the nameless people who got saved on your episodes of the week. And Jonathan's like, we are the people you protected. And thank you. And then when the when the snake, you know, mm-hmm. when the when the snake attacks, when the well, the snake, let's, right, let's, the, let's explain who the snake is. Well, the, when the mayor essentially turns into a demon, a big demon snake. Oh, uh, by the way, there's one more character. There's something I've totally missed. At one point, um, at one point, uh, Cordelia Chase's uh, heart is broken, and she is feeling incredibly angry at Xander. Oh, right. Of but course. she redirects her ang- anger toward Buffy, and she makes a wish to a uh, new girl in school named Anya. And the wish she makes is that Buffy never came to Sunnydale. And what we find out is that Anya is what is called a vengeance demon who can re- rewrite history, rewrite time, um, and essentially makes it so Buffy never came. It's a wonderful episode where you see what would have happened if Buffy never came, and then eventually they get... You see Evil Willow for the first time. Which is amazing. Oh. Bored now. Yeah, we're, I, I'm sure the actors must have had a ton of fun. We're pretty much... The, the concept it's being... The that, course, uni- yeah, it's the Mirror Universe episode. Yeah, it's the Bizarre of, Universe yeah. episode. And yeah. Um, Anya stays on... And starts showing an interest in Xander at the end, and she is scared, and she expresses her fear at the end of this at the end of this episode. Mm-hmm. Graduation day comes. The mayor turns into a big giant snake to kill everyone. Everyone battles. There's a massive, giant, huge, humongous battle. The snake is beaten. The angel disappears into the fog, and credits roll. Well, and it has possibly one of the best ending lines of any TV season ever. Which was Oz being like, "Oh my God, we made it," and Buffy saying, "Yeah, it was a heck of a battle." And he's like, "No, high school." Yeah. Once again, underlying the fact that, I mean, in I, that's. By the way, I'm not going to talk a lot about him, but let's just let's moment of silence for Armin Shimerman as Principal Snyder. Yes, we haven't talked about him at all. Mm-hmm. Quark from Star Trek: Deep Space Nine is astounding he does astounding things we just don't have time to talk about yes um but i think and and it's why many people feel like the show took a dip um maybe not a permanent dip but took a dip in season four and to be honest this happens a lot in just happened in veronica mars when she left high school and went to college yeah um i don't have you seen veronica mars or you you convinced me not to i convinced you not to you you told me that the final season leaves thre- threads hanging. You never get you never get completion. You know, to be fair, I actually haven't finished the entire season. I will say you can watch the first two seasons and treat it as its own separate thing, and they're amazing um, okay. for much the same reason that Buffy is amazing. 
Um, but what both of the but the thing is, is what the first two seasons of Veronica Mars and the first three seasons of Buffy hinge on is um, high school. Yeah. That seething cauldron of Pain. angst where having to deal with a massive demon mare trying to devour your town is actually less of a big deal than whether or not you're going to make it to prom. Yeah. And whether you've got some... And legitimately, um, that's what makes it so great. And I think Oz's comment there really underscores that, that no, the big battle for so many people is just getting through high school. Can we talk about an epi- just one episode? It's in the scope of the of the show... Until the seventh season, it's not an important episode. But I know it's one of your favorites. Oh, yeah. Amends. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, where you wrote a song about it. I did. Um, and it was wonderful. Um, but you are introduced to a character named The First, mm-hmm. who is supposedly pulling all the strings. All the evil in the world comes down to this. This being. This being called The First. And the end of the episode. Just tell them what happens at the end. Well, of the, the, I mean, the, basically the whole episode is The First trying to convince Angel to kill... I think because the first realizes that Angel could be a force that could stop him. Um, so the first tries to convince Angel to kill himself because of all the terrible things that he he did. Um, and it's the Christmas episode um, for that season. And they make a big deal throughout the whole episode about how, well, it's, you know, it's a balmy 82 degrees in Sunnydale, California, yeah. um, you know, on Christmas. Um, and it ends with this beautiful moment on a rooftop um, at the... You know, right before the dawn, and Angel's just waiting there, waiting for the sun to rise. Because sunlight, up. yeah, because sunlight kills sunlight vampires. Sunlight kills vampires. Um, and uh, Buffy, you know, she's tr- Buffy. She's trying to convince him about all the good uh, that he's done, about all the good he could do. Um, and I think he says something along the lines of like, like she doesn't actually convince him. He is still out there on that rooftop, convinced that he said that you know there is no one. I forget the exact quote, but he's essentially saying, you know, this universe doesn't need me. You know, the things I've there's done. There's no are, such thing as miracles. Yeah, yeah, there's no such thing as miracles. The things I've done are beyond forgiveness. Um, and then, just before the sun rises, it starts to snow, and snow hard, and blocks this, and the clouds block the sunlight. Um, and I think it is literally. Joss has, I think, even gone on record and says he's an atheist, and his work, for the most part does kind of reflect that. I think this is the only instance in Buffy, possibly even an angel, when you have something that could be counted as miraculous. As God steps in. Yeah, as God, as as a good guy, as a good benevolent benevolent power stepping in. Um, I don't know if it was a fluke in the season or in the series. Um, That's gorgeous. Yeah, but I just, it was, oh, it was just, I mean, I'm a I'm a real sucker for re- I'm a real sucker for redemption stories. Well, let's be um, clear. You're a sentimental dude. You um, know this. Yeah, this very is not much a, so. Um, I'm I'm known as a sentimental dude, and mm-hmm. sometimes you make me feel callous. <laughs> so you're the kind of guy who uses the word beautiful yeah. way more often than well, I do. To be, but it's not it's not from a purely sentimental standpoint. I mean, I'm actually of the opinion that forgiveness is a far more profoundly powerful force than people usually give it credit for. It's not sentimental fluff. 
it's I don't think sentimental I don't think sentimental um, fluff needs to be two words that are necessarily paired by the good, way good point good which point. is which is I think that you know Shakespeare was sentimental so I don't think he wrote just fluff ah, that's a good so point. Yeah. so and I would put you in league with him um, sir so there but, you go yeah but so yeah that's one of my favorite se- that's one of my favorite episodes of the season um and it introduces the first which becomes mm-hmm. a major major point later yeah season four um uh, you're introduced to the character of Riley Finn. Riley Finn is is uh, is a big brawny uh, ROTC kind of guy at the new Sunny Sunnydale College or mm-hmm. University. That guess what? Everybody decides to go to <laughs> conveniently, um, except for Xander, which I like that he didn't. Yeah, that Xander decides to go right into the workforce, which yeah. is cool. And they will try and decide what kind of work he does for. I think he starts like with an ice cream truck. Yeah. Um. I. Uh, and Buffy tries to attend because that's the thing that you do, mm-hmm. um, which is great that that's what they have her do. Yeah, because she's still resolutely so, trying to live. There are so many people who go to college because that's the thing that you do, mm-hmm. who don't know why they're there. Yeah. I want to be there. Um, uh, let's just call out what the entire season is about. Let's just go ahead and get that done because we can then go back and discuss mm-hmm. the finer points of it. turns out that Riley Finn is a member of a group called The Initiative. And The Initiative is a government agency who absolutely knows about the supernatural elements of the world. And they are using technology and government organization and military tactics to the reason that we aren't all devoured by werewolves every day is actually because underneath it all, The Initiative is protecting us. Mm-hmm. And we don't know about it. Yeah. But they don't believe... They believe they treat them almost like extra, extra extraterrestrials. What they don't seem to believe in is magic or right. fate, and and they find Buffy, and they don't believe in the existence of a Slayer, which they've of course heard of. They realize that's what she is. Uh, she she joins them and then battles them. They have differing philosophies, and then it turns out they have been creating basically Frankenstein. Which mm-hmm. I am making a movie right now called Ninjas versus Monsters. And I have come to a. I could see you were uh, even just from the little bit that I've seen. You were inspired by that. I, I a little bit. Well, with Frankenstein, here's the thing about Frankenstein. Um, uh, I've been criticized already with. Well, Frankenstein wasn't Frankenstein. It's the Frankenstein's monster. Mm-hmm. Frankenstein was the doctor. Yeah. The monster was was. You know what the monster's name and was in Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, Adam. Right. And the name of this clearly Frankensteinian Frankensteinian. Sure, Flintstoneian monster <laughs> is Adam. Yep, um, and he is essentially a, a a hodgepodge of warrior pieces cut together mm-hmm. to who is supposed to serve the initiative, but instead turns on them and mm-hmm. decides he is going to basically well, make a perfect actually, world. What makes him a pretty decent villain is that I mean, much like Frankenstein's monster, he's obsessed with why am I here? What is the purpose of life? What does it mean to be human? Um, the difference is he's much smarter than Frankenstein's monster. And, the first way that he decides to figure out what it means to be human is by um, actually, probably in a way that is an iconic take right from the original Frankenstein's film, he meets a child in the forest. Um, except in this one, he literally, I mean, he doesn't show it on screen, but he literally cuts the child, he dissects the child to see yes. how it works. Well, and the thing Once about- again, just taking, hey, look at this trope that I'm working with. And now I'm going to take it to a level that just shocks you. He is he is a almost like a computer program out of control. He mm-hmm. is not evil. He is doing what he thinks He's is amoral. logical. Yeah, he is he is just functional, and he is he's the Terminator. I mean that that's that mm-hmm. there's he has curiosity as an emotion, but not much more to it. At the end of the at the end of the season, Buffy blows up the initiative, defeats Adam. Okay, mm-hmm. let's talk about what really happens in yeah. this season um, and why I disagree. 
with people's criticism of this season Mm -hmm. on a personal level. Um, My first year of college, um, which you can find if you if you look on the old episodes of Trek off, there's an episode where we just don't talk about Star Trek. And I talk about my first year of college (laughs) um, was astonishingly bad. Yeah, Um, I think many people actually I would actually say a lot of people felt like the season four of Buffy was bad, but it might have been not because that the show was poor, but because I think maybe it hit a little too close to home. It hits close to home in that most people have a pretty rough time of it their freshman year in college. And here's the thing. When you look back at high school, you look back at high school is bad and high school was rough and high school was dramatic. But when you look back at college in your first year, at least the way I do at mine, mm-hmm. I am ashamed of me. That is a very nice distinction. I feel yeah. stupid about the way I was I, my I, first year in college. My high school experience, I, I actually, I look back on my high school experience kind of fondly. I liked high school. Yeah, my, my childhood up to high school was a little rough. High school to me, it was a total roller coaster of emotional highs I had lots and of, I had lots lows. of lows. But, but the thing is, but it was so passionate. What I felt in college was depression frequently. It yeah. was, when I look back at my college years, I just see so much wasted time. You see, and I look back and I look at things that, I mean, I really felt like the beer bad episode. Um, mm-hmm. People call it the worst episode of Buffy. Um, I didn't think it was that bad. And Joss wrote it. There's no excuses for you. Joss, it's a Joss episode. Joss, uh, Joss actually wrote My that My friend one. Daniel wow. almost bailed on the show. Whoa, because of that one bad. episode. He was, like, he was like, I loved the first three seasons. Okay, clearly the show's jumped the shark. We can stop now. Because mm-hmm. um, they all turn into cavemen. It's kind of dumb. Yeah. Um, but I did that. I drank too much. You know, she has her first sex since since Angel with mm-hmm. a stranger who really who then totally leaves her the next day. Yeah, yeah, who who does what college guys do, and yeah. and and I know a little bit about that. Um, I, you know, she she is pining after a boyfriend that 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 she can't have. I mean, I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I know this. She she is can't decide you know her high school friends are falling away from her she can't redefine her relationship with them to go with the way she is now in college everything is different and it's it's the show really i think i think succeeds in a big bad way um and and i am i am i know that the 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 final episode against the initiative seems too epic maybe Mm -hmm. seems too like well, Big mega battle. What's really interesting about yeah. that season is it's not the final episode; it's the second, second to, to last the, episode. My favorite episode of the season is the last episode. It's the last episode, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I, I would actually say maybe it's not so much that the season is bad; it's that it's harder. But that's yeah. because it's you're right it it hits close to home, and it's not. I mean, high school tragedy was cathartic. It was the crying on the floor of your bedroom you know gut-wrenching sobs kind of bad which watching somebody go through i mean naturally as a viewer it's cathartic college is doubt and ennui and just that sense of melancholy well and i'll take it watching people go through and both going through that and even watching other people go through that like on the screen that's that's difficult and by the way your smart characters are stupid sometimes yeah, Buffy does. Has, there are two episodes. Look, that the, there's also an episode where she has sex till it almost destroys the world. You know, which she's just having sex the whole episode. That's right. Yeah. Um, you know, but that's who who didn't at least know someone at college who walked into college wide eyed and ended up just being a you know 
it was all just about getting laid or from the from a couple girls or girls that I met at the beginning of college that like the beginning of the school year mm-hmm. who by the end were just known as the one who gets pat they looked used and hurt all I'm the not time. as ashamed of the decision I mean there's some decisions I made in high school that I'm ashamed of I'm much more decision I, I'm much more prone to be ashamed of decisions that I made in college because you're responsible for them yeah yeah there, there's no there's like Buffy was a I was really playing it I, I was learning how to be an adult for the first yeah, time Buffy Buffy was a bad roommate she was a bad friend mm-hmm. she was a naive girl who was used by a guy she was a stupid girl who drank too much she was um, an overly emotional girl who had sex too much mm-hmm. she there was excess all over the season and I think and it's uncomfortable and the, but the thing is is that she, all of those things I mean the supernatural slayer thing aside all of those things were within normal degrees. It wasn't a stereotype all the way on one side of the spectrum thing, which is what most, I mean, I, I think, I mean, this is a belief I have in general, um, and I think the show actually played up to a very good degree, which is that most of us would, like, the capability to do bad things casually is, that's underlying everybody. You can have a perfectly normal life. You can be a perfectly good person and then in one moment do something phenomenally stupid. My first year in college, I hurt more people knowingly. Exactly. And you're a good person. And the thing Thank is, you. yeah, and, and the thing is, you know, in college, you were probably still, you know, my bet is most people would look at you in college and not say, um, you know, oh, that Justin, he's a real, he's, he's a really bad. Freak. No, it's, my first year, my first year in college, mm-hmm. I left the school. I left. Wow. Because of I was so ashamed of what I had done and who I'd been. Mm-hmm. I also like had a major breakup and was crying and screaming in the hallway mm-hmm. in my like I, I, <laughs> you know, I made my first horror movie with the with the thesis that love equals death. I mean it just like it was oh, I remember that. yeah. Yeah. It was just um God, how did we even survive to here? Yeah, I mean it's I went I'm to glad a, for it, but Yeah. It, it's so so we're both in stable relationships yes. now with people named Kelly. <laughs> Different people. Different people. <laughs> let's be clear about that. Let's be very clear on that. Um, so at the at the end of the fourth season, there's one more major development that we need to talk about is that Spike returns, but is captured by the oh, initiative. Which is a perfect example of clearly, from a meta perspective, it's obviously, hey, the viewers really fucking love Spike. What can we do? Yeah. But they did a really clever thing of, well, go ahead. Uh, they put a chip in his head. That makes it so he can't attack humans, but he can only attack other demons. He wants to do violence, so he he joins Buffy, so he can attack other demons. But there's a great episode, a great moment where he realizes this is true, and he is sitting next to Willow, and he tries to he tries, he to, tries to attack to her, bite her. Oh, it's and the he best can't. One in, the, in the entire and, season, and and she starts feeling like, what am I not? Am, am do you not want to bite me? And oh, he's no, like, you're, t- you're totally biteable. Yeah, it's, but it's it's not. Like that that one time a couple of years ago when you were wearing that that that, that sweater the pink number yeah yeah totally wanted to bite you then <laughs> it's really? just awesome and then she realizes what <laughs> she's doing and the, the best was, well, maybe we can maybe we can wait for a few minutes and then try again <laughs> uh, yet another experience that we all had in college, yeah I know it was just so um so so yeah we get to the end of the of the fourth season and and the Scoobies now um, consist of um, Anya. Who is who is now no longer a vengeance demon, but mm-hmm. is a regular person? Mm-hmm. Um, Xander, 
Spike, who is a, a reluctant Scooby, a, re- a reluctant Scooby, and is now completely emasculated. Mm-hmm. Um, Giles, who has been seeming darker and darker, we're learning more and more and more about his past. When I think he's no longer dressing also- in the tweed jackets, yeah. he's he's singing. He's singing in coffee houses. Well, I think he's also feeling more distanced from, in my, in, you know, in a very parental way. Now that Buffy's in college and making her own decisions, he's feeling less needed. Yeah, well, and 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 I think that's that that continues to be a theme until finally he makes the decision that he's not needed. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and Willow, who, uh, oh, wait a minute, oh, There's yeah, one more. So Oz leaves Willow and she's heartbroken mm-hmm. and he leaves because he's scared he's going to hurt her kind of the way that Angel left Buffy um, and uh, Willow um, it turns out she's kind of gay. Um, yeah. And she um, which at the time was a pretty big deal in television. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was. And and at the time, given kind of where my personality was at the time, I was at one point. Don't don't hate me. Everybody there was at one point where I was staunchly on one side of the political and aisle i am now consider myself to be much more centrist and at the time i was maybe more judgmental than i should have been mm-hmm. it turns out that that relationship ends up i care about it and it breaks my heart um mm-hmm. but at the time yeah it was who i was um but by the time i watched it i was not that person <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so uh we start season five. Well, there's actually another crucial thing. With I Tara. Want to talk. We, oh, yeah. Uh, well, with Tara. But actually, I want to touch on also in season four was the season that they got nominated for the Emmy for. Uh, or the the episode they got nominated for the Emmy Hush. for. Hush. Go um, for it. Which it's all yours. I think got nominated for best writing, I think. Which is ironic because there's so little dialogue in it. Yeah, but if, if once you write a, a teleplay, which I hope you get a chance to do because I've written mm-hmm. a few. You have to write all the action. Oh, you have to write it's the all action. Written. So, yeah, no, but it's, um, it's just... There's a few episodes. We're going to touch on another one in season five. Um, there are a few episodes where they literally earn the mark. Um, the uh, oh no, season five and season six. Yes, um, six. yeah. But there's a there are some episodes um, in television which you just say, "Wow, that was just an hour of incredibly good, well written television." Uh, and Hush is one of them. The basic concept being that there's demons that come to town. And they take away everyone's voices. So the enti- so communication needs to be done through all other means. And so they explore that. To the, they explore how terrifying it could be to be cornered in a room with a monster leering down at you, and you and can't, not be able to scream. and not be able to scream. Um, and then, of course, having and then finishing with the one, that's also the episode where Buffy and Riley, who have been dating at that point, find out. That, you know, Riley finds out Buffy's the Slayer. Buffy finds out that Riley is in, you know, the initiative. And it ends with this wonderful thing of them both in her bedroom just sitting on opposite beds. And she says, we need to talk. Uh, Which is just, I mean, it's, some people might call that heavy-handed to me. I just love it. It's brilliant script writing. Oh, it's masterful. And they deserve the... the, They deserve the nod. Um, Season five. A Buffy is generally considered to be the best season of Buffy. I would actually be inclined to agree with that one. There, I mean, I'm I depending on my mood on a given day, um, I'll waffle back and forth. But I people I go really season like two, five. season three, season five. Those are the big ones. Yeah. Um, I I would throw season six into the mix mm-hmm. because because I love season six mm-hmm. for everything that it does. But, yeah. Um, the last season on the WB is, is right. season five. Um. Starts with the biggest mind fuck in the history of television. So, 
when season five starts, Buffy has a little sister that she always had. Yeah. And everybody knows her and she's a teenager and they don't explain why. <laughs> and they give you no inclination I except like one like weird look that maybe something's off. I knew the story ahead of time because, like I said, I'd been by this time I'd already finished watching season seven, so somebody had explored it, explained it to me. I can only imagine what the reactions of everybody after watching the first episode in season five must have been the first time through, like the the level of confusion that people must have gone through, and the most derided character. Um, yeah. Um, and you know what? I I have to, and I hate to do this to you, Michelle, but I have to put it squarely on the shoulders of the actress. Um, she was young. Mm-hmm. I don't blame you. You might be a great actress now. I don't know your your work now. But I like how you're talking directly to her. Well, so she's, she's a listening. listener. She's a fan. Um, you know, I, I I loved your neck down work in Eurotrip. Um, uh, she's not a fan anymore. <laughs> Bye, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. Um, uh, but um, for the record, you know that anybody who saw Eurotrip and also loved Buffy for any guy who did it just had a had just that sense of revulsion of no no and, and yet, that's Donnie and then no. also and we didn't stop looking but yeah no yeah um so yeah Dawn uh the sister of Buffy that was there the whole time who's actually a mystical key who all of history gets rewritten mm-hmm. to say that she was there the whole time yeah um joins uh it's also the introduction I believe of the magic shop Yes, which is a one, which becomes it, the central well, centerpiece the of the show. Is, the school is blown up in at the end of the third season. We sort of bail on Sunnydale, the college. Yeah, for, so for the they bail part. on Sunnydale, the college, um, which means that the library, which was their central meeting place, yeah, um, they needed a new thing of that. So Giles buy Giles decides to buy the magic shop. It makes it a real magic shop. Yeah. which sells real magic things. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Anya helps him run it. Um, Spike is uh, Spike is over the course of the season. You realize loves Buffy. Um, falls, That's right. falls in love with mm-hmm. Buffy. Uh, Dawn finds her place, uh, realizes what she is, but then has to accept that she is also Buffy's sister. She also mm-hmm. overacts on a number of occasions. Yeah. Um, uh, Xander. Uh, well, I think I did, to be fair, let me defend uh, Michelle. And get out! Co- get out! Get out! <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> the, well, the thing is, here's the thing. What's the thing? I have just a little sister. Uh-huh. Um and uh and I should say actually um my my sister was never bad as Donnie far from it actually I love her to death she's great um and infinitely more successful than I now than I will ever be um but uh, sure yeah you were just mm-hmm. doing Arthur in Spamalot you self deprecating son of a bitch <laughs> goodness gracious um but she uh, this guy refuses this guy but, refuses he has a healthy ego let me tell you something about Arthur Rowan he's a healthy ego I've known for a long time and yet. He's not a braggadocio in any way, and I appreciate it. But come on, we were successful. That there are no limits to my godlike modesty. <laughs> Suck my balls. See what I did there? Yeah. Um, no, but it's like the fact is the the younger sister, especially the middle schooler, um, that is the very essence of that archetype is annoying. She had to be a character who was annoying as possible, especially to Buffy. The downside and the the razor thin wire that any writer or actor dealing with that kind of character has to deal with is how do you do this in a way that is annoying to the characters but is not incredibly annoying to the viewers as well. Well, and and to be honest, and that's a very very difficult. We thing expected to do. better of you, Joss. In this case, Joss wrote 
amazing teenagers. Hmm. And even through the end of the series, while Dawn certainly improves, she never reaches the heights of any of the teenagers that he wrote. I would agree with Back that. when he was writing teenagers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I, I, I don't want to just I can't just give him the gimme that, oh, that's how middle schoolers are. No, you can convey middle school. I mean, I mean, the, st- the stand by me kids were middle schooler. You, you good can, point. You Very can point. you can you can convey middle schoolers in a, in an interesting way. Um, and and Joss Whedon versus Stephen King. The gauntlet has just been thrown down. Go Joss. Did I even hesitate? Oh, I didn't even mean that as a guy. I, I didn't Sorry, even mean that. As you a, I was just sort of saying. You just said a, go. <laughs> so there, without <laughs> a doubt, is my master now. There you go. Um. Uh, so yeah, I would I would say that that her her annoyingness did not necessarily have to be that. Mm-hmm. And I want to I guess so. The the question the question is always. And this is speaking from an acting perspective. Hey, want to hear something funny? I tell you something that happened today. Just because we, yeah, go for it. Because the opportunity is going to go. Go. Sorry. Okay. So today, um, and I almost told you that I got halfway through the story earlier tonight, and then I never got there. Mm-hmm. I was. Uh, I said I was at the stores buying things um, for you to come like over. Like you first do in stores. Out. Yes. And I was checking out. And I was talking to the lady behind me, and just she was talking about the fact that she had like twenty five like teenage boys coming over to her house tonight. And I was like, why? And she's like, well, because my son works here in his graduation or something like that. And I go, <laughs> I go. Well, at least it's not a bunch of teenage girls, right? <laughs> and the checkout girl in the other aisle, the one behind me, turns around. She goes, looks at me, and I thought she was kidding. She goes, what's wrong with teenage girls? <laughs> I'm like, um, well, you know, you know it's a, I mean, teenage boys can be bad, too. There's nothing wrong with teenage girls. So here I am being like... It's re- so uncomfortable. Your ability to your ability to put yourself into situations where completely innocently you are surrounded by people who take offense <laughs> at the most random shit is legendary. And so then she turns to me. Here's here's the greatest thing she says. She turns to me. She goes. She goes. Puts her hand on her stomach. I'm having a little girl. <laughs> I just want to go. Of course. Wait, how how old is this cashier lady? She's probably seventeen. I just want to go. Of course you are. Of course, <laughs> of course, you, course are. you are. That's super. <laughs> Thank you. You've proven my point. <laughs> Move on. And I and I came up with a thousand. You know how you walk away and you're like, I, I was like, oh, I, I, was like I was like, I was like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And and I wouldn't have offended her with my response, but like, given time to think about it, I have nothing wrong with a teenage girl, but teenage girls in a group is a different dynamic entirely it is a dynamic of exclusivity and exclusion and that's what they do it's how they make themselves they they get into a group and then they put a little force field up and anyone says that there's nothing wrong with teenage girls was clearly never a teenage boy <laughs> so or a geek or for that matter a teenage girl who was on the outside of that yeah, circle. yeah so so i'm really sorry teenage but when we we're talking about annoying teenage i thought that that I it's just there anyway. Go on, go on. From an acting point of view, when oh, from an acting point of view, it's uh, there are the thing is, and it's it's a tricky thing as an actor because when you are up there, either on stage or on screen, um, you are putting yourself and you are having to trust yourself in the hands of both the director and the writer, um, and if either of those things are bad. It's going to show in your performance, but the audience who comes to see it and the reviewers who will review it, unless they are incredibly well-tuned in, 
will not say, such and such's performance was good, but clearly they were directed in the wrong way, or it looked like their dialogue wasn't that well written. It's on you. Um, yeah, and you know what? And her worst moments, and the get out, get out, get out, is the worst moment that I think she ever has. Mm-hmm. Um, whoever was directing that episode, maybe it was Joss, should have known better. Yeah, and should have said Michelle, should, especially when make, going and when going back or even looking back over the film, was just like, oh, that's, you don't that's even not, need to look back over the film. You're yeah. there. You're on set. Yeah, you see it happen. And maybe you know one thing that you can do wrong as a director is to watch what your actor is doing and not watch the screen. And maybe she was doing a, a performance that when you're That's watching her, point, it's yeah. compelling mm-hmm. because, you know, but then you watch the screen and maybe that's what happened. I don't know. But I I know that I would have gone, can you make a different choice? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, because she see it seems like one of those choices that you would see in a high school production that they'd be so proud of. You know, yes. It's just, it was such oh, a... Oh, I had so many of those moments in high school where I equated emotions with, volume of my voice oh i got i got someone i got someone a very bad grade in a, in a scene class when i ignored the direction we had done because i was feeling the moment i was feeling the moment. and i just screamed and the person stopped talking to me for the rest of college <laughs> so maybe that was a little overdoing it there yeah you think so i'm not gonna give any names amy but sorry <laughs> about that um so um so we gain Anya and Spike as a main character and Giles, um, you know, and Giles is, has her, his place is the, at the magic shop. Um, the bad guy is glory. Mm-hmm. Uh, Claire Kramer, who is again, along the level of the, of the mayor almost with, with just except phenomenally cosmic power and evil and a total ditz. Yeah. And, and, loves being evil yeah evil so fun um and is absolutely able there's no way to destroy her she's She's, not a demon she's a god um except that she has a human alter ego who is completely vulnerable that is absolutely good Mm -hmm. he's a good guy he's a doctor um and and glory is is unstoppable and we'll talk about how she is finally defeated in one of the greatest character moments oh my god um, yeah. in the series. But that's not the major thing that happens in this no, season. No, it is not. Go ahead. Um, early on in the season, the uh, Joyce, Buffy's mom, gets sick. And there's a few episodes where essentially she's dealing with, I don't. I forget if it was a cancer or if it's Headaches. something. No, Headaches she has. So like, there's a, there's a serious scare. Um, it's actually, there's this brilliant scene where Spike... He's convinced that he's done with Buffy for once and for all, actually loads a shotgun to go kill her, walks up to her, you know, walks across her backyard. She is stand, she is sitting on the porch. He raises the gun. Then she looks up at him, and she's just crying her eyes out. And, you know, because Spike is, I guess, like everybody else who watches Sarah Michelle Gellar when she cries, <laughs> suddenly it's just like, oh, God, what's wrong? And she says, my mother's really sick. Um, so there's a couple just beautiful episodes dealing with that. Um, but then whatever it was that she had, um, you know, essentially either goes into remission or goes away. And Joyce is fine again for a number more episodes. And then we have, I think, uh, was I Was Made to Love You, um, an episode which is just pure 
fluff. It's it's sort of like oh, it's an episode of the week. Yeah, it's an episode of the week. It's there. You know, look at that. There's a teenage robot that's involved with everything. Except it introduces a major character. Yes, yeah. but it's but I mean, it has it, it's a very very lighthearted episode. Except in the final episodes, moments of it. Except it in the final ep- moments of it, because the final moments. Well, well, of no, no, no. The final moments of the robot storyline. Oh, yes, is actually, right. yeah. But um, but but yes, it is. It's it is very one shot. Yeah, it's it's not a heavy episode. It's not into the mythology of the show. They don't talk about glory. It's mm-hmm. a yeah. And basically, the final. Wait, before you do that, at the beginning of the episode, Joyce has a date. That's right, and and has flowers, and and she's going to be going out on a date. Mm-hmm. Um, and and is everything's going well? Yeah, Joss fans, Joss fans, Joss fans, Joss listen, fans. when someone's really happy, that's a bad sign. Um, but. Uh, so she comes back in. It's just nice thing the camera's following her. She's in the house. She gets in. She's like, hi, mom, I'm home. Look she's Look at this. Um, look at this shit right here. Oh, yeah. He's got oh, look full, at, he's got my, look at my legs. Right look at my now. legs right yeah. here. You see that? Because, and what's so Holy brilliant shit. about it is the fact that it just follows. <gasps> Buffy is continually in the foreground the whole time. And I think because of depth of field, like the back is, you know, the, what's in the background is slightly blurred. But in the background, you just see Joyce on the couch, like looking not asleep, like. Mom? Yeah, and and, Mom? Buffy, and finally Buffy turns, sees her, the focus narrows on Joyce, and Buffy just goes, Mom? And that's the end of the No, no, no. Ca- Mom? Mom? Mommy? That's right. Oh. oh look at that. Look yeah, at that. Look I'm not the, kidding. Like, like, tell them. Tell them. Once again, I'm not lying. I, no, dude. Jesus. I got dude, goosebumps are, about yeah. this. Um, <laughs> so once again, I'm so glad I was watching that season on DVD because I could immediately click to the next thing. Um, I, I just feel for the... For the poor people who had to wait an entire week yeah. to see, um, even though I think like they made it really clear, um, which so yeah. it leads into the next episode, which is I will the say body. is one of the top five best hours of television that has ever been made. I I've would seen. agree. I'd be with you. Um, and you know what? And two of those top five go to Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which is yeah, that's true. Um, we'll get there. Yeah, uh, but God, the so the first ten minutes of that episode are the most some of the most and again it's why I will it's why I will disagree with anybody who says Sarah Michelle Geller cannot act because of these 10 minutes um, with I think like just, no cuts with no cuts of just the camera following her freaking out calling 911 doing all these things no soundtrack there's no soundtrack in the entire episode it's the most starkly real television um that I've that I've seen in a long, long time. Uh, I, I got like it up I, to the point. actually. You know, what? I got to disagree with the no cuts thing because it has the most amazing cut. Actually, in the very beginning of the episode, she goes up, mm-hmm. she grabs the phone, she starts CPR, she calls nine one one, nine one one arrives, revives Joyce, takes her to oh, the hospital. Oh yes, that's right. She's there. She she's she's there. She's okay. And then you cut back to Buffy just looking at her. Yeah. And it was all just it was Buffy's, all just Buffy's fleeting hope. Thinking. It's her oh hope, my God. her fleeting hope so... that that might happen. And you're like, at first, there's no like sense of it's a montage. You get that it's all real, mm-hmm. but you get the sense as the montage continues yeah. that no, it's not. No, it's not. And then they cut back to her pained face. Yeah. And um, also, one of the best uses of, I guess, it's sound foleying. Yeah. Um, in television, which with is the CPR, with the, which is with the CPR. Um, because you know, it's, but you've got the desperation on her face. You've got her, you know, trying to give CPR, and then there's that in the midst of that desperation, there's that sickening crack as she breaks her rib, which I understand is actually pretty common in CPR. Um, um, 
you can see okay so i have to explain to you what mm-hmm. you guys can't see because you're seeing arthur looks to me like like right and and he can see on my face mm-hmm. that i know the answer to that question and mm-hmm. arthur's face changed for like once he like looked at me and and the, it seemed like you you could tell mm-hmm. that yes i know the answer to that question mm-hmm. that that is actually a real thing and just for a second you i don't know maybe i'm misinterpreting <laughs> but you had this like twinge in your face or like like Oh shit, he does. No. Yeah. That. <laughs> but yeah, that's yeah. Um, um um yep, that's uh I've I've had cause to give CPR probably probably 15 20 times in my life mm-hmm. um as a facet of what I do and of those 15 20 times I would say 10 times I cracked ribs. Wow. Um yeah. Um, it just happens. Yeah, it's just a, especially in older people. Well, yeah. Um so it's so pretty much the whole episode. The I mean, ah. it's, it's very clear that Joyce is dead. She died instantly of like brain aneurysm. Yeah. Um. And it's there's almost no supernatural stuff in the show, except at the very end, which I feel the very so end, which I, I think most people kind of felt forced when they threw the vampire in as a. Um. But it is, it's just, de- like it's just cut scenes of people finding out, telling people like it's. It is one of the best ways, most realistic and most painful ways that I've ever seen death handled in television. I would say that the two scenes that get me outside the first opening scene, mm-hmm. the funniest moment in the whole episode is I think it's Xander who punches a hole, in the, wall, a hole in the wall and he gets stuck yeah. <laughs> when he does. But Anya's, this is where, yes, where I like, this is where I fell in love with Anya was this episode mm-hmm. where she's been a vengeance team and she doesn't understand death. Yeah, it just is so foreign it's to her as a concept. It's stupid and it's mortal. Yeah, and she just she seems so confused by it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, if you watch this episode and you don't call one of your parents, fuck you. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, it is a devastating episode. Um, mm-hmm. I want to say it's one of my favorites. I can I can honestly say I've seen it twice. And I probably won't willfully watch it again. Yeah, it's, until it's with me. It's always with me. Mm-hmm. It will always be with yeah. me. Um, you can't unwatch this episode, but I think everybody should watch it. Yeah, and it is also interesting on a on a totally different level. This God, this is what's so brilliant. What I love so much about the story. Um, that is the first episode, the first episode where Willow and Tara kiss, which in any other show would be what it was would about. be tonight on a very special episode that would have yeah. been sweeps week oh my gosh the two lesbians um you know the, the two girls in a lesbian relationship because look at how progressive this show is being they're going to kiss and look how provocative and edgy that's going yeah. to be literally it happens because willow was breaking down crying on she's crying about joyce's death and tara is hugging her and consoling her i think kisses her once on the forehead and then kisses her gently on the lips it is the most non-issue of a moment. Like it's it's the most it's the biggest it's non-moment. They just brush right by it without making any kind of big deal whatsoever about it. And to me, that's what makes it far more effective um, than some. That's that, that what far, it's far about. more effective as a as a as a. Um, you know, I guess I, teaching tool is not the right. It's a, sense, just a thing that happens yeah, instead it's, it's of a, 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 an happens. event. Yeah, um, and it's and much more realistic, I think, too. Um, so at the end of the end of the fifth season, the major thing that you have. Um, well, oh, what the end? I forgot about the end. 
the two major things that happened in the last five minutes of the episode. Um, one, um, a portal, damn those portals, mm-hmm. is open, going to destroy the world. Mm-hmm. So Buffy jumps into it and dies. Well, because it was opened through Dawn's blood. Yeah. So the choice was either kill Dawn or because Buffy shares Dawn's blood that Buffy could sacrifice herself. Um, Buffy dies, which is they the show had been canceled on on the WB. They kind of right. knew it might not come back. Mm-hmm. It got bought by UPN for two more seasons. But, but they they were this was designed to be, if necessary, the end of the show, which was great because and unfortunately you don't see this on the DVD. Um, so those of you who saw it on the DVD, the there's always at the begin or at least when it showed on TV, there was always a previously on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and it does you know the traditional yeah. it does the cuts the the fifth episode of Buffy, which I think was the hundredth episode yeah. literally. Um, it starts with it previously on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and it starts with Buffy in the very first episode of the very first season. Yeah. And it cuts very quickly through every single episode of the show up until that moment. Yeah. It was, um, it was pretty epic. Uh, the other thing is how Glory dies. Glory yeah. is severely injured and reverts back to the human doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, and he dies naturally of natural causes, right? No. Oh, how does he die? Uh, well, let's see. Um, it should also be said that even though he was a good guy... Essentially, towards the end, Glory made a deal with him um, and said, look, I'm going to make your life a living hell for the rest of your life um, unless you go along with me. And quite frankly, I'm probably going to get my way anyway because I'm a really powerful god. Or you can go along with me, help me get this innocent girl, and you know what? Your life is going to be great. And Ben, who was a good guy, for a moment actually stops and thinks about it and then is like, Okay, and goes along with her, um, which is not, again, not out of the realm of possibility yeah. for most normal people. Um, so anyway, so it reverts. So Buffy beats Glory down with the hammer of the troll god. That's a yeah. whole other thing. Um, he reverts back, and she, because he's human, um, Buffy. Not Buffy. What? No, no, Buffy lets him go, essentially. Yeah. Um, and then Giles steps over, you know, to him and everything. I forget exactly what he's. It was. Like, no, he's. I think. I think he's like injured. He's laying on the ground. Yeah, because Giles just mm-hmm. like and puts his hand. That, well, there's a th- that's the thing is Ben says, "Wait a minute." Buffy said I could. Buffy, um, Buffy said I could go, or Buffy let me go, and Giles said, "Well, of course she did. She's she's good like that. She's a hero." And then he looks down and essentially says something like, "She's not like us." And Giles, in order to make sure that Glory never comes back, I think like smothers, ben. murders, just just murders. flat out murders him. Yeah, and um, yeah. I mean for a good cause, but it's a, it is a moment of oh, that's what everybody talked about when they said Giles had this dark side. Yeah, um, which is an incredible moment mm-hmm. for him as a character. Yeah, it's gonna get even deeper. It's gonna get even darker. But you're gonna have to listen to it next week because this is the end of part two of our three-part retrospective on Buffy the Vampire Slayer as part of our Joss Whedon retrospective. My name is Justin. My co-host is Arthur Rowan. Thanks for listening to Pop Off and Pop Off. Pop Off. 
You are listening to the Geeks Radio Internet Radio Network at geeksradio.com, home of Trek Off, the Not Safe for Work Star Trek podcast, Pop Off, where we geek out on comics, movies, and TV shows that are the superstars of geek culture, Podcast Who, the Doctor Who podcast with Phil Stamper, Ninjas vs. You, the official podcast of the Ninjas vs. Trilogy, and Garrett and RJ Go Hollywood, two regular guys trying to make it in Tinseltown. All of this is available for you for free by going to geeksradio.com or searching Geeks Radio on iTunes. Geeks Radio is a presentation of Endlight Entertainment.